If you don't know how to sell an idea, then you will struggle. I can't tell you for real, you will struggle. I'm telling you, it's gonna be an uphill battle no matter what you do. You won't be able to get anything accomplished, okay? And in this episode, we will highlight the best methods to build a steady stream of leads, get consistent sales, and run a profitable business, all without going along the typical sales route. Let's get it. All right, what's good, what's good, what's good now? Okay, so in the past, we have discussed quite a few things. We've discussed the techniques, best practices um, to remove the stigma of sales, to get you more comfortable with sales, to get you just in a better mindset about how to sell your ideas and to to grow your business, really, from a steady stream of revenue. Because really, that's, that's, the, right, that's the lifeblood of your business, right? If you're not selling... If you're not, you know, bringing in revenue, then you just I've, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. You just have an expensive hobby. Right. And to get rid of that bad idea, the mindset, the stigma of being of being, you know, that that idea of a mindset of a, of a of a salesperson. Right. And that that unfortunate stigma that we have and overcome some of those obstacles, especially remove the fear of making sales calls and communications. Right. We've gone over all of that. Multiple episodes. Go back, you know, episodes two, three, even in episodes, you know, seven and eight, we've gone over that and a few others um, just because it's it's really one of the areas that entrepreneurs struggle with the most. But the sales process doesn't have to be reduced to just making sales calls, sending out emails. You know, those are just different techniques and activities that are essential to sales, are essential to um, keeping a steady healthy flow of business coming your way, right? But there are a number of ways of establishing a relationship with your target audience, generating leads, and becoming a valuable resource for your potential customers. There are a number of ways of establishing a relationship with your target audience, generating leads, and becoming a valuable resource for your potential customers without dialing your life away every single day, all day, every day. You ain't got to do it. You ain't got to do it. You know, it's it's a bad quote from I forgot what movie that was where it was all about dialing. It was an Alec Baldwin movie. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to reference it um, because it, it, I'll never forget the, the, the statement he made. But I want to get the full scene down because it was literally what a lot of people think of sales. Right. You don't have to do that. You don't have to just be hitting the phone hard every day and just constantly calling, making calls, making calls. There's so many other ways and so many techniques. So in this episode, here's what we're really going to go over. Right. Number one, we're going to go over a few online marketing channels. Right. And how to generate sales from those online marketing channels, both directly, indirectly. In other words, like immediately going out, reaching out, connecting with customers, but then also some ways of connecting with customers that isn't a sale. You know, it's not advertising, it's not promotion, it's more so utilizing tools out there to get the word out and to project your value, to show your value. That way people come more to you, right? So it, that that way it's kind of indirect as well, right? Then just some basic methods of selling without selling, right? Not selling without selling out. I've heard that term before, no. There's ways to actually sell your ideas, your concepts, your value, because that's what you're really doing, right? When we're making sales, when we're doing business development, we're connecting our value to the needs 
of a target audience. So we'll go over next are different ways to sell without selling, good ways to promote, showcase your value without having to be, hey, you know what? I've got that shiny new car for you. No, 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 none of that, none of that at all, right? Really connecting what you do, what you bring to the table to what people need, whether it's for their business or for them personally. So whether you are business to business to consumer or your business to business, right? B2C or B2B, doesn't matter. These methods can be used both ways for both channels. And I'll give you different examples of how to utilize them, right? For those channels, whether it's B, uh, B2C or B2B. And not only examples from people who've done it in the past, but ways you can do it, whether you're just starting out or you've been in business 5, 10, 20, 30 years, right? I'll give you examples of both, but more importantly, how you can immediately apply them right now. So if you, once again, if you don't even have uh, one of those channels up already, if you don't have one of those methods in the process, you don't even have the content, doesn't matter. You could literally get it started overnight with the things we're gonna go over in today's episode. So when we come back from this commercial break, we'll go right into the online marketing channels that generate sales, okay? both directly and indirectly, just to give you some food for thought, and then we'll go over the example. So when we come right back, let's go over those marketing channels. What's good in the neighborhood, y'all? Okay, so welcome back. I'm your host, Aaron Muhammad. This is The Ambition Show, and we are going over how to sell anything, how to sell without selling, okay? getting We've already gotten rid of the stigma. We're already getting rid of some of those kind of bad concepts, so the mindset, a negative mindset of being a salesperson. Let's focus on... We have our brand, we have our business, we have our value. We know what we wanna to bring to the table to help people, to help our, our, our target audience. How do we get the word out? How do we make that connection? You know, you don't wanna just be on the phone all day. You don't wanna just constantly send out you know, sales emails. You want to make an impact. You wanna showcase your value, but you do know that there's other ways of going about doing this and connecting with that target audience. And true. A marketing channel, right? So what are some online marketing channels that can help you generate sales, right? Like I said, we'll go over the direct and indirect, but a marketing channel is really, it breaks down to be, to describe a set of people, right? Organizations, activities that work together in unison, okay? So marketing channels can be, you know, to transfer the goods, whether the products or service from one, from, from one point to another point, or they call it a point of origin to a point of consumption, Okay, these are technically what are considered marketing channels. And the primary purpose of a marketing channel is to really create a connection, right? It's, it's to create a direct line between the organization that creates the product or service, that's the producer, the content creator, right? And the, perspect and the prospective customer, consumer, who may want to purchase it. So once again, nothing I go over here is going to be strictly business to business or business to consumer. You can be used either way. For example, if I run a software company and I'm focusing on making sales to other companies, right? I make software for marketing companies, just using that as an example, because that's my world. I live in there. You know, that's what I do all day. And I actually take calls like this or I take conversations or I'm on conversations like this where a person's trying to pitch or connect their software solution to my business goals, right? That's business to business, right? So the marketing channel would be the pool of organizations, the people, 
and the activities that companies are trying to market towards us, right? We're all in, the, in this ecosystem together, right? That would be our marketing channel, right? And there's specific routes to take to make that connection, specific ways for that software company to get the word out to me. So I purchase their products, or at least I've showcased interest in their product, right? Or could be I'm the manufacturer of a certain line of apparel, fashion. Been there. <laughs> I have definitely been there. And I'm trying to connect with a specific target audience that is interested in consuming my products and my brand, right? So that's business to consumer or business to business in the first example. It doesn't matter. These marketing channels, they can work in any type or for any type of business, right? So the one thing you really want to consider isn't so much if it's, and I shouldn't say you shouldn't consider business to business, business to consumer, but the biggest thing to consider, right? After we go past, okay, are we going to focus on other businesses? Are we going to focus on consumers? What are we selling, right? So for physical products, there's pretty much four basic types of marketing channels. These are the kind of things you want to really think about um, if you are from a, a product standpoint. Okay, there's direct selling, right? They're selling through intermediaries. There's dual distribution, which kind of explains a lot of what we're seeing today. And then there's reverse marketing, right? So if we're doing direct selling where the products are marketed and sold directly to the consumers, right, without... Um, a fixed retail location, like let's say I'm literally going direct to consumer. We've heard of direct to consumer before. It's when we're we're specifically, or we are shouldn't say we're not indirectly. We are immediately connected to the manufacturer. We're immediately connected to the brand, right? There isn't a Macy's. There isn't a Marshall Fields. There isn't a Walmart. There isn't some intermediary, right? That's kind of working in between us. We are talking directly to Nike. We are you know directly buying from um you know a major manufacturer that we that we enjoy their apparel or we enjoy their consumer goods or specifically like household goods or something like that, right? We're not going to a retail location, we're not going to a store, we're not going to a wholesaler. We're going directly to the to the manufacturer or we're going directly to the brand. Maybe not the manufacturer, but to the brand that is pitching that product, right? Now the crazy part about it, and this is what we're seeing the growth in, and, and I, I brought up, I'm going to go into it another um, another format, but that's probably what we're seeing the most. I would say these are the two we're seeing the most. This is the one we're seeing a lot of businesses push for, and they should be, because now that we have, and we've had them for a while, but now that we have things like we have our websites, not Amazon, not eBay, not Facebook. Not Macari, not, you know, uh, Rakuten, nothing like that. I'm talking about our direct website. So when our customer comes directly to our website, we're working directly with the consumer, right? It's direct to consumer, not YouTube. I'm going to keep saying not <laughs> because a lot of people have this misconception of what direct to consumer is. Direct to consumer is not you working through Instagram. Direct to consumer, actually, no. I'm going to. If I burst somebody's bubble, I'm going to say it again because it really needs to be clarified. That's not direct to consumer, right? Because you are still working through a third party. You are still working through another platform. Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, Amazon, Alibaba. None of that is direct to consumer. 
because you are now working through a third party to get to the consumer. Okay, It's extremely important to understand that. That would be more so the next method that we're going to go over. But I just want to clarify, direct-to-consumer is your website. Direct-to-consumer is them looking through your... Here's a great direct-to-consumer. It's old school. So if you were like me, and yeah, I'm showing my age. I don't care. I just had my birthday. You know, ching, ching. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. I had the 50 Cent song playing in the background. I'll play it right now. But you know, that means about my, my podcast probably get taken down. Because <laughs> I haven't bought the license for that. Or I haven't bought the rights to, to play that music, right? And still monetize. <laughs> but... I will say this. Go shorty. It was my birthday. Anyway, had to get that one out. It's when you say the 50 cents song, everybody knows that, especially when it comes to birthday. You got to say it. It's a given. So here's a good example. If you're over the age of 35, which I proudly am, you probably remember. And I mean, probably, especially if you're in a city like New York, Chicago, if you're in states like Texas, California, Florida, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Michigan. The reason why I say these... Uh, you know, Give you give you the reason why I'm saying these states and, and cities specifically. Because these cities and states were really well known for having some of the biggest, and I mean the biggest, department stores in the country. Okay? We're talking taking up multiple city blocks. Not the mall, the store. Not a Walmart, not a Target. I'm talking Neiman Marcus, Marshall Fields, Macy's. I'm talking about, and yes, I'm going to say it, I'm talking about Toys R Us. I'm talking about F.A.O. Schwartz, Carson Peary Scott. That's right, I said it, Carson Peary Scott. I took it back. Montgomery Ward, whoo, yes, I said Montgomery Ward. For those who don't know, or dare I say, I'm from Chicago. And you know, I, if I'm going to say, if I'm going to talk about department stores, I got to say at least one. If none other, I have to say Sears, right? There used to be these things called sales catalogs seasonal catalogs more importantly when we're talking about direct selling if these companies had house brands which all of them did this could be a method of direct selling so in other words if macy's has a house brand which they do and they place it in this catalog and that catalog goes directly to someone's home and they place and the person places an order from that catalog for the house brand at Macy's. This is direct selling. OK. Now, this was actually very well known, very popular and very, very, very effective for many, 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 many years. And this would be the equivalent of you having your website and the customer coming directly to your website. Now, they may find your website on Bing or through Bing. They might find your website through Yahoo. They might find your website through Google. They may find your website through an advertisement on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. But they go to your website and they make the purchase. That's still direct selling. That is still direct selling. OK. If I'm the consumer and I see an advertisement for your company on Facebook, I click on the ad, go to your website purchase the product from your website that is still direct selling equivalent if i'm reading old school reading the newspaper i see an advertisement for this specific store right a specific department store their products that they that they market they manufacture they brand is in their catalog 
I order or I receive their catalog and I place an order from that catalog is old school. That's still direct selling. That is still direct selling. And this is quite possibly. Quite possibly. Probably not prepared for me to say this part. One of the more expensive ways yet. One of the more fulfilling ways. It definitely from a from an entrepreneur standpoint it's one of the more fulfilling ways to run your business and to market your brand and to sell products because yes you're paying for website upkeep you're paying for domains you're paying for advertising but you have to keep in mind you're paying for those you're taking care of those expenses and when you recoup your sales you're keeping right you're keeping the majority of that sale or you're keeping um, the, the, the larger portion of that net because it shouldn't at that point. It's not going out to any other third parties. Now, with the next example, this is why I said this is kind of where we're kind of see, we're seeing the most right in the world today. Selling through intermediaries. That is what you see everywhere. Example. Nike's at Macy's. There you go. You saw a Nike shoe or Nike gym shoe. You purchased that Nike gym shoe at Macy's. That's selling through an intermediary. Now, because of the retail world, especially, right, manufacturing. And that's why I said the first thing you want to establish is, am I, is it a physical product? Is it a service? Even services go through this, right? But this, here's the physical product challenge. is In most cases, you have a couple of intermediaries. You not only have... The retailer, you may even have a wholesaler, right? So if you see that Nike is making so much money, you have to wonder, man, they're making a lot of money off shoes because they got to pay. You remember, they're taking care of wholesalers. Wholesalers got to get their portion, which is the person who's purchasing a, 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 just a ton of those shoes, right? And then out to retailers if they're working through that model. And then they also have the retail side of the business, which retail retail has a, a large, uh, larger margin, or I shouldn't say not a larger margin. They have a higher price point because their margin is so low. They need to have an even crazier price point. That's why when people say, well, wow, you spend $120 on some shoes that probably cost not even 50 cents to make. You know, I'm giving an extreme example, but but it's the reality of a lot of the things we, you know, that we utilize as, as consumer goods. The shoes aren't even half of that retail price, right? Because the re the retailer has to go through so many other people to get to that product. They're barely making a margin. This is why retail is such a tough business, right? Wholesale is tough, but retail is is just brutal. But selling through intermediaries is something you're probably going to have to come into con come in contact with more on a regular basis when you're dealing with physical products, right? And yes, this is a very effective marketing channel. Is also one of the more challenging marketing channels when it comes to earning a profit. This is why we see companies, it's sad to say, in the retail world, we see them come and go a lot. It's hard to be around for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 years in retail. It's hard, right? And then I know we see a company, you know, fall by the wayside, maybe, I hate to say it, but in the past, like five or six years, we've seen quite a few. But you have to keep in mind, if we're talking about a business that's been around for 90 years or 100 years, that says something, right? That says a lot because you got to think about all the companies that didn't make it to that point, right? Didn't even make halfway, didn't even make a third of the way, 
right? So selling through intermediaries, big time when you're dealing with physical products, huge, important. It could also be agents. We've seen brokers, especially in the fashion world. Brokers are all over the place. They're very much needed. And they typically come from the area from the brand standpoint, not necessarily on the larger level, like a, a major, you know, uh, when you get to a level of a Nike or an Adidas or, you know, don't get me wrong, those companies still probably have brokers, but they're not, maybe not as essential as it is with a more boutique or um, maybe even a couture kind of a brand, right? Dual distribution. Now, dual distribution is really where manufacturers combine multiple types of channels to sell that product to an end user, right? So give you an example, this could mean that the manufacturer sells directly to customers and also does business with wholesalers and retailers. This way, it kind of ensures that the distributor or the, or the company distributing, specifically the manufacturer distributing a product, they ensure that they get some sales, right? So they say, okay, you know what? I'm directly selling to the consumer through my website. But then you know what? I also work with wholesalers on Alibaba. And just in case, you know what? I have my own wholesale shop where I sell to retailers, right? So I work as my own wholesaler. So a good example would be, and there was actually a distributor that I worked with when I had Butterfly Jeans. And before we started, before we manufactured any jean, you know, because I really wanted to test the waters with it. This was, this actually was the ideal person to work with because they had a business where they were looking for more opportunities. So they were like, you know what? I have styles that I don't sell directly to retailers, right? I sell, you know, with wholesalers. So in other words, the wholesaler might uh, make some augmentations or the wholesaler might, you know, call it a different number, a different name, may put and, and wholesaler had no problem putting a, a different label on it. Cause they're like, hey, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a white label gene. You know, I didn't they didn't want to brand it or anything. There's just like a style that they don't sell to retail. But then they had their own retail side. A lot of manufacturers or a lot of, yeah, a lot of manufacturers do this just to ensure that, hey, when they make, especially with physical products, I got to make 10,000 of these jeans. I have to make 10,000 of this, of this a batch of cologne. I have to, seriously, it could be anything. I've seen it, everything from, it's crazy it is, <laughs> shoestrings, rubber bands, pins, jeans, and pins, I mean writing pins, jeans, buttons, gym shoes. I've seen it with everything. So the manufacturer will have a manufacturer brand, right, that they sell directly to the consumer. Then they also have a version where they, they white label it, right? They'll put your name on it. They'll put your logo on it, whatever it may be. And then they have one that they get out to the wholesalers, right? Wholesalers push it through the channel. This is a very smart move. If you're going to start a manufacturing business or you in a manufacturing business, this might be one of the best ways for you to go about your business. And now going back to where we started off, just to make sure to clarify something. This is these are other routes, right? Besides directly having to make sales direct to consumers or sales to other businesses. These are other avenues that you can take, right? Because once I establish my brand, my manufacturing brand, people come to me. They're like, man, you have a really good brand. You know, people, people are coming in to, once again, direct to consumer. This is like I said, this is one of the first people I worked with from uh, uh, for Butterfly Jeans. I noticed I'm like, man, you know, I would love for my jeans to look similar to this. Not the exact way. I wanted, I wanted to change. I want to put a logo somewhere else. I want to put change the stitching around. Oh, well, you know what? We manufacture our own brand, but we also manufacture others. 
we can set up a deal. You know, we can set up some type of, of we become your manufacturer. There you go. Lots of manufacturers do this. So if you guys are starting your own apparel business, if you're if you're starting your business really with anything that's manufactured, always contact the manufacturer directly and ask them, not the broker, not the wholesaler in this case, the manufacturer directly. Because the broker is going to focus on what the broker you know can get out of it, of course. Unless they can they can broker a deal, but really focus on directly speaking to the manufacturer and say, hey, do you guys have a deal where, hey, maybe you will maybe make a, a white label product for us, you know, and you'll manufacture it. You won't sell it to anybody else. Yeah, of course. A lot of manufacturers are willing to do this because they're like, if I have to make a slight augmentation or no augmentation at all, all I just have to do is not put a logo here or not put a button in a certain spot. They may do that because it keeps it keeps the manufacturer, uh, keeps the um, the machine going. They're not losing any money. If anything, they're getting more money from this, right? Because you might start off, hey, I just want to get a couple thousand, a couple of hundred, you know, pieces. And then if it sells very well, hey, I need to come back. I need to get 10,000 pieces. I need to get 100,000 pieces, right? Now you've given them another channel and avenue. And of course, if it's uh, profitable to them, they'll gladly support you in that. The next one is, um, and this is probably you don't see this as much, but you may have been affected by it. <laughs> Reverse marketing, right? So it's where the products move from the customer back to the manufacturer. You don't see this as much. It was actually a really big movement at one time, and I think it's probably going to come back around. Um, you know, when fast fashion was really getting out of hand. There was a big movement for, hey, you know, what? we need to recycle clothing. We need to recycle some of the product that's out there in the channel. You do see this with some companies. You know, there's some shoe companies that say, hey, you know what? Send us an old pair and we'll remake it. We'll remod we'll modify it, make new pairs out of it. You you've probably I one thing I have seen this and I for if you're not paying attention to it, you really should. From a um, from if, if you eat out, you should pay attention. To this. You should pay attention to the fact that you notice that there's a lot of um, cups and straws and plasticware they're saying oh it's made from recycled materials there was a huge trend at one point and you still you see it quite a bit now but at one point almost every single product manufacturer was doing this because one they were getting a lot of you know of course they were running out of supply or they're running low supply so you know, prices are getting higher. So it was actually cheaper in some cases to recycle product. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the same product. Like I've, I've seen it where it says, oh, this is made from old newspapers. You've probably seen it where it said this is made from old shoes or these are made, or this T-shirt is made from old plastic bottles. You see that a lot, right? A lot of house brands are starting to do this as well. House brands of companies like Target, Walmart, uh, Macy's, I brought up those companies, you know, and there's many others where they'll say that this shirt or these pants, this sock was made from whatever, you know, X product. So like I said, you might not have paid attention to it much, but you may, and I said affected, but you've just seen it, you know, or you, or you're just something product in your house um, that most likely has this one place that you'll see this the most. And this is the, I hope these are sparking a few ideas. I'll go into the different ideas that um, it can give you, especially if you're starting out your business. One place you've, you've probably have seen products like this are at discount retailers or specifically what we call like the dollar stores, right? A lot of products are made from manufactured or I'm sorry, not manufactured, recycled products due to the fact that 
it's a great way to make a massive amount of products at a really low price. The idea is from whether you're starting your own little discount retailer, online retailer, physical shop, doesn't matter. You want to contact manufacturers and wholesalers, right? Because they may have, well, you know what? The recycled product is a little more is a little, uh, you know, more inexpensive, a little more inexpensive. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's just not as expensive as some of the, you know, the more popular, the trendy or the newer products that we're, we're, we're pushing because the recycled product might be a little thinner, might be a little more flimsy, might, you know, you might have to take a, a, it might, uh, you may need to have a different uh, care um, um, to it, especially with clothing, right? I've noticed I've seen that with recycled clothing where they'll tell you, you know, if you wash it a few times, be careful. The color might actually come out because of the way it, it sinks into the color, the way the ink and the, and the coloring changes. Um, and it's not that it's cheap. It's just that it's because it's a thinner or it has to be made or manufactured a little bit differently. So the care may be a little bit more gentle. Um, but this also means maybe you can get two for the one, two for the price of one, three for the price of one. I've seen it in wholesale catalogs, online catalogs, where they're like, buy the recycled version. And especially when it comes to cups, if you're starting a cafe, I've seen this before. Okay, where they say, you know what, literally the cost of one new cup, we can give you five cups if you take this version, this recycled version. Well, from the standpoint of a cafe, if you're just opening up, we all, for those who don't know, that coffee house business, the cafe business, that's, that might be worse than restaurants. I mean, when I when I'm talking about how tough and challenging it is, that could be a great route for you. Reverse marketing, okay? From the standpoint of the business owner, from the standpoint of the business, uh, the business that's going to purchase a product, from the standpoint of the business that's going to produce it, this could actually be one of the best marketing channels and sales channels for you because of the simple fact it's allowing you to reuse product inexpensively, right? Safely, but also if you're working with a uh, an industry or a business that's being very environmentally conscious, fantastic route. Hey, I know with a lot of the uh, the opportunities of growth around the world, especially we've seen it in countries that are really trying to develop where they're trying to get more into manufacturing and supply chain, because there's a lot of opportunity that's going to come up there, especially um, uh, based on you know the. the the unfortunate situation of the world that we're, you know, we're coming out of or and we're going through right now, supply chain and manufacturing is really going to grow um, in distribution. This could be a great route for someone looking to get into the manufacturing business of any of any industry, promotional items, um, cups, you know, shipping equipment or shipping, uh, shipping items, um, clothing and apparel, looking into recycled goods that offers you a new value proposition as well. Because you have a lot of environmentally conscious companies and consumers out there. And this puts you in a new position. So look into reverse marketing. All of these descriptions, um, sorry, all of these uh, details and definitions are in the description of this episode. More importantly, links to examples of these types of businesses and the industries that they're focusing on also in the description of this episode. Definitely check it out, if you've, especially if you've never heard of these but if you, um, you know, you're kind of on the fence of where or which marketing channel is best for my business, especially if you're just starting, this is a great way to start uh, to, to look into a little research into that business plan. And this can also be that thing that leverage that gives you that leverage in that business plan where you're trying to get a loan, 
when you're trying to get some investors, you know, what separates you from your competition? Well, here is our here. Are, here's our specific marketing channels that we're going to focus on and how we're going to focus on distributing product. So in regards to marketing channels online. Right. So we would consider that obviously digital Internet marketing. Once again, direct selling is your website. Right. Um, I'm going to say this constantly and I. I can't stress this enough. There's very few new ideas, right? More so what we're seeing now is not necessarily a new way. It's not a new idea. It's kind of a new way of doing something that's already there, right? So it is a new idea, but it's not completely reinventing the wheel, okay? That's why I brought up with direct selling. It gave you that comparison of the old school catalog. It's the same thing as your website. Same thing. When we're talking about... um, Selling through intermediaries, it's the same thing like instead of me selling through my website, I go through Amazon. I I, I sell through uh, my Facebook store. I sell through my eBay store. I sell through Etsy. I sell through, you know, their their Poshmark or something like that. I sell through a different um, retailer or platform that is direct, that is working directly to my consumer. But I'm not directly to my consumer. I'm working through them to get to the consumer because Here's the more important part, if it, especially for the people, because I've had, I've actually sadly had an argument. I've sadly had an argument about this where someone was like, no, my Instagram. And she was very adamant. My Instagram is direct to consumer. I said, fine, then if your Instagram is direct to consumer. What about when Instagram bans your page, which it has done before? <laughs> I had to throw it in her face for a second because it happens. It happens to a lot of people. Policies change, terms of agreement change, and if you don't adapt or you don't change your store, you don't change some of your content, you could get shut down or they won't show your ads. And that's really what it was. It was actually they stopped showing her advertisements. I was like, if that's the case, they wouldn't be able to do that because they own the platform. More importantly, you pay them to advertise. You pay them, right? So if I'm paying someone, they're obviously doing some type of work, right? So whether or not my product or sold... You know, and there's a link on the Instagram uh, Instagram page. But if I have a store, no, that's not direct to consumer. That that means I am working through Instagram, which is nothing wrong with it. It's just not direct to consumer. So, of course, two weeks later, we had her website up and running because she noticed how much money she was spending on ads and how much money <laughs> she was spending on product going through different you know platforms. Everything from Groupon, Alibaba. Um, you know, Facebook Marketplace, all kinds of, you know, all kinds of platforms, um, which was fine. Like those are additional channels of distribution, additional marketing channels, but it's not 100% strictly direct to consumer. Um, another example would be, of course, like I said, Amazon, Etsy, Groupon. A lot of people forget about Groupon. Groupon is actually a very good retail channel or a good channel for, you know, some form of, of distribution and sales. It's a great exposure it's a great way to get exposure. And that's what a lot of people initially used it for. And that's what people still use it for. But that's another example of selling through intermediaries. Um, of course, affiliate marketing. Now, from a sales standpoint, selling without selling. Technically, with affiliate marketing, of course, it's very, 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 very similar. Not the same, but similar to influencer marketing where you're basically leveraging someone else's connection, someone else's relationship to make the sale for you. I will always 
fall back on this. Do not rely on that. In other words, the best affiliate marketing programs, this is from the perspective of the company doing the affiliate program. If you haven't thought about, if you have a apparel line, if you have a software business, if you, I don't care. Actually, I don't care what it is. I'm just giving examples, but I don't care what it is. I don't care if you're an accountant. I mean, of course, legally do what you can do, but I don't care if you're an accountant. I don't care if you're a web developer. I don't care if you you have an e-commerce uh, uh, apparel store. Look into starting your own affiliate marketing program, your own program, or signing your business up for a program that already exists or a network, I should say, that already exists. The reason why is because, once again, you're leveraging the connection that the blogger, the influencer, the business, right? And you can you can restrict it however you want it. In fact, here's a challenge or not a challenge, but here's here's a question for the for the um, for the audience out there. If you guys want me to do an episode about the two, you know, the different forms of affiliate marketing, specifically you creating your own affiliate marketing program. You joining an affiliate uh, marketing network right from your program or you getting involved in affiliate marketing. In other words, now you're selling, you're pitching other people's products. If you want to see an episode about those, uh, about everything affiliate marketing, leave a comment. And the comment only has to be affiliate marketing. Just leave a comment saying affiliate marketing. If I see enough comments, I, I don't want to come up with a number right now, but if I see enough comments, if I see that. I'm going to make an affiliate marketing um, episode. So with that being said, this could possibly be, and this has worked for a couple of businesses. Um, I should, it's worked for a lot of businesses, but a couple of businesses from this aspect where they were struggling with sales. They were struggling with direct sales. They were struggling with you know business development. They were struggling making cold calls, but they instituted a an affiliate marketing program and it just blew up because there is a certain level of trust that is generated from that type of program, right? That people say, oh, well, you know, my advisor, my consultant, my, you know, this blogger I go to, this influencer I go to suggested this program. It doesn't mean because of them I signed up. It's because of them I gave it an actual chance. That's really what you should, fir your first goal should be when you're um, bringing people into your affiliate marketing program. That initial barrier that people have, I don't know about that software or I don't know about that, that, that company. I don't know about that consultant. I don't know about that program. I don't know about that. You know, it kind of removes that. It says, wait, 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 wait. He or she backed it. I will at least watch their video. I will at least listen to their, you know, their, their advertisement. I will at least take that consultation call that I will at least review the demo. I from <laughs> got to laugh at myself a little bit but from my own experience i have actually sat through signed up and sat through more demos of software programs platforms because of affiliate marketing than advertisements i see an advertisement i could care less i ain't gonna lie I sometimes i'm like i don't care it's an advertisement of course you're gonna say you're great <laughs> let's just be real you're of course you're gonna say you're great but if it's an influencer specifically Especially for me, if these one of these three areas, if it's a podcaster, if it's a person, if it's a YouTuber, which could be one of the same. Right. Or it is a blog that I follow and they talk about a specific program that 
that they use. And I'll give you a really good example, a valid and an unbiased recommendation and endorsement, if you will, um, to Buddy. I'll give you a good example. So there's two YouTubers that I follow that both have talked about TubeBuddy all the time. And I know for a fact they've there and they've never been shady about it. They've always been very honest. Hey, that they, they have affiliate links and they, you know, that they get money, they get support from um signing up for TubeBuddy. But I signed up for TubeBuddy. I, I should say this. I gave TubeBuddy a chance because both of these guys that I've been following for the past two or three years have great things to say about it, of course, because yeah, we know they're affiliates. But more importantly, they use the tool constantly. And to me, that means more anything than anything else. We've seen people endorsed and, sp and sponsored by products. And we're like, yeah, but do they actually use it? Will they actually use it? I know for a fact, one of these guys, and I'll actually, I'll put links. These are completely, once again, unbiased. These are not affiliate links. These are three links I'm going to put in the description of this episode about the two YouTubers I mentioned, I'm talking about here, as well as TubeBuddy. I am not an affiliate of TubeBuddy. Okay, I'm going to call that out right now. I get no money from TubeBuddy. I'm not trying to. In this case, I believe it's a really good tool. And I discovered it because of these two YouTubers. And I'm telling you right now, if you are creating your software, creating your SaaS, you know, software as a service, if you are running a consulting business, if you're about to, you know, if you just started your, your, your online store, your apparel business, whatever it is, and you have not thought of instituting your own affiliate marketing program and bringing in your um, bringing in influencers or bringing in people to support that something you should really consider because this takes so much stress off your back for making sales. What you do need to focus on, and this is why I brought up about the other examples with the ads is have good content, landing page, white papers, blogs, um, downloadable templates. Okay. So in the link, or I'm sorry, in the description of this episode, there will be three links specifically. One to two, buddy. Check it out. It's a really cool tool. Not an affiliate link whatsoever. Just telling you to check it out. It's a really good tool, especially if you're trying to make your content on YouTube and you want to make that content actually work. It helped, it helped quite a few people from what I've seen. Is actually, I've already seen results from me starting to use it. And and I said starting to use it because I've been listening to these podcast of uh, these YouTubers for a while. And I was like, yeah, it took a little convincing, but I was like, hey, but I saw them using it and I saw the improvements. They actually showed their improvements. As well as the two uh, YouTubers I'm speaking of, there are links to their YouTube pages. Um, I'm sorry, their YouTube channels. Great guys, great people to check out, but they have a wealth of information. So if you're just getting started on YouTube, I would definitely suggest you start listening to these guys. So with that, if you notice what I said, if you notice, if you notice, the marketing channels are not different for online or physical. Direct selling, intermediaries, Dual distribution can be done both ways. Reverse marketing can be done for anything. And the only difference is we have affiliate marketing. Oh, wait, but we can do affiliate marketing for physical products as well. We can do affiliate marketing for physical retail as well. Brick and mortar retail as well. Before we head to commercial, I just want to make sure this is clarified. If anyone tells you, oh, my God, the digital and online and Internet world is so different from the physical. They are lying. <laughs> OK, they don't understand. Everything old school is everything new school. It's the foundation. It's the pillar. It's the infrastructure. Everything that you see online has been pretty much taken from offline. Everything. And, and I would I would love to hear anyone's argument to, to 
to say that that's different, right? To say that that's not factual. Like I said, even affiliate marketing, affiliate marketing has been around forever. Digital platforms made it easier. Don't get me wrong. Direct selling is so much easier now. It's so much, it's so much easier now, but it, but it's always been there. It's always been there. So first identify business to business, business to consumer, because that will really tailor how your content, what that sales channel fits best for you and expense wise, right? Cost wise, your return on investment, which is what you should be focused on as a business, right? Then you go into which marketing channel. I would not suggest doing all of them at once. Really flush one out, get it down on paper, write it down and get an idea of how does that fit my business? You may have dual distribution to start off where you're kind of connecting a few different areas for your business to make it a little bit, you know, to to really see which method is the best. And then you roll back and you say, I'm going to focus on direct selling. Or I'm going to do direct selling and reverse marketing, you know, kind of give you an idea there. And then finally, look into the opportunities from affiliate marketing for your business overall, right? From joining an affiliate marketing network, right? Creating your program and joining the network or just starting a, a, a program directly from scratch. Um, as stated, if you want to see an episode, we're actually going to do it both. We're going to have a podcast episode and a YouTube episode. If you want to see that about affiliate marketing, just about affiliate marketing, leave a comment saying affiliate marketing. That's all I need to see in the comments. I see that comment. I know I'm going to know I'm going to make the content because that's about what you guys want. So when we come back from commercial, we're going to go into the various platforms or the other methods, the other methods of selling without selling. Right. Everything from third party to directly from you and what you've built and developed, right? That will help you overcome any sales challenges because it's all going to focus on your content connecting with your consumer. And you're not really going to focus on the selling. You're going to focus more on the value, right? The value proposition of what you're doing in your brand and the sales will come your way if the value is properly translating your content. When we come back from our commercial break. Alrighty now, and we are back. So we went over initially the the four types of marketing channels and how those marketing channels you can utilize multiples, but it's best to really get an idea of which one works best for you based on if you're business to business, business to consumer, which one works best for you to get the business going and to really develop a, a, a sales channel without the traditional or the typical forms of selling, right? Because marketing channels and sales, you know, your sales tactics will align with that marketing channel. So it could be direct selling. It could be selling through intermediaries. It could be dual distribution. It could be reverse marketing. Same thing when we bring that to online platforms, there's really no difference from direct selling. That's your website. Intermediaries, if you're selling through them, that's more so going through the Etsy's, the Amazon, the eBay, the Groupon, the Alibaba. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't do that, but do have those. But those should not be um, where you strictly do your sales because, once again, those platforms could go away. They could change up. Rules and policies change all the time. Your first, and it's so much easier to do it now, direct selling through your website. It's not working through a physical catalog strictly. It's not working through physical you know, retail. It's so much easier to directly sell from your website. If you need help with website, design, services, hosting, all that information is in the description of this episode. 
Also, there's affiliate marketing. Like I said, if you are interested in learning more about affiliate marketing, if you want to do an entire video episode as well as an audio episode, but definitely a video episode on our YouTube channel for affiliate marketing, leave it in the comments. Just you leave the comment affiliate marketing. I'll make a video about affiliate marketing programs, how to build one, how to link up with a network. And then also from the standpoint of entrepreneurs, influencers, um, you know, individuals who want to be affiliate marketers. In other words, you don't want to, to create the program. You want to be a part of a program. I'll talk about that as well. And I'll go over the steps of how to join one and how to identify the best ones as well. So if you want a video and if you want an episode about affiliate marketing, leave a comment, just say affiliate marketing. After that, we went into, first off, the third party platforms, how to promote, how to sell the value of what you do, how to establish yourself as an authority and get more people coming to you, right? Subscribers, fans, newsletter subscribers, but they'll come your way and that way you don't have to sell necessarily, right? You're presenting the value and they're coming to you as fans, as followers, which makes it easier for them to consume your product or service, right? The first route could be vlogging. Most powerful route, even though the popularity of podcasts is growing, there's nothing more effective than video. So of course a YouTube channel, just logging what you do, vlogging, because that's all a vlog is, is a video log of what you do, right? How you do it, why you do it is most important. And the video will tell the story. You don't, you, to be honest with you, in some video, you don't even have to speak. It helps. <laughs> but I've literally seen some of the most effective video where it's just showing the person do the work and doing the work showcases what the value is. Then, of course, like you're consuming it right here, a podcast. Podcast, like I said, it's growing. It's the, most, it's the fastest growing um, area for this. But it is definitely becoming the more saturated of the, of the four. It's not the most saturated that I'm going to go over but or that I went over, but it is definitely getting there. Um, but focus on your niche. And it's, it's, it's going to be the same thing from blog. The next uh, the next two that I go over, it's the exact same thing. You're focusing on the niche. You're focusing on that that small group of target audience consumers that that you really are presenting the value to. Because if you're if you're focusing on everybody, if everyone's a priority, then no one's a priority. Right. Focus on your target audience, which goes into blogging. Blogging is the most saturated because it's been around for so long, but it's not going anywhere. Blogging is just like email marketing. OK, it's not going anywhere. It's still extremely effective. If anything. If anything, blogging, very similar to podcast, the cream rises to the top. The best of the best are, sh are going to show up no matter if they've been in the game for 10 years, 20 years. Blog has been around that long or they just popped up on the scene. The best being those who focus on quality content for their audience and the quality is based on the value. Right. So there's two great platforms for you to quickly start monetizing quickly being that it's already built into it. You don't have to get approved and certified or not necessarily certified, but you have to get your website approved and necessary right away. And especially to get your feet wet with writing articles, get your feet wet as a, um, as a blogger, there's medium, which is a platform I use absolutely enjoy, but more importantly for you, medium is a great tool because it already has a built in audience for many different niche, many different, um, keywords 
There's a list of those keywords and those niches in the um, in the description of this episode. And then it's also Quora. Like I said, I've used Quora. A lot of marketers use Quora. A lot of entrepreneurs use Quora. Here's the cool part about Quora. Once again, just like Medium, um, if you have questions, this is the best platform you to start from to start from. So literally, you will find yourself just as I've done it and many others. You will find yourself going on there, you know, to utilize it as a tool, as a marketing tool. But you're actually wind up using it as a regular consumer too. It's a really cool platform for that. So the link description to both Quora and Medium in the description. Finally, courses. I absolutely love taking an online course. Especially if it's on a topic that I want to get, like I don't have the time to go to a physical course, a physical you know facility. Um, but online courses, because you discover so many, I have seen literally, I want to say five completely different intro to digital marketing courses. And it's all based on that person's viewpoint and standpoint, which is one of the best things about courses. This is why it's so, such a saturated area because in a saturated in the fact that there's so much content out there, there's so many courses out there, but you can see it from different perspectives. You can see almost any topic completely different, unless there's a real stringent way of you have to start with point A, B, C, D. And there are a few things like that, right? Engineering would be something like that, where it's very, you definitely should start from here and then move on. But when you get into web development, you could talk to web developers. You could talk to programmers and they'll tell you, well, which coding language should you start from? And I can tell you, you'll get different answers, right? Because in some cases, it is based on what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go. That's the cool part about online courses. And you can establish yourself as a true authority because you're coming from a different angle, right? If your course is about how to start a truck driving business from scratch, from a person who knows a couple of truck drivers who own their own businesses, like they own their own trucks, they own their own um, facilities and, and depots and it, they, they've t- they've grown they've grown businesses very well like everything from the broker and the and the actual um the trucking itself there are a couple of different ways you can start it depending upon where you're coming from you know if you're trying to go not only across state lines but you're trying to go across international lines the licensing you need the certifications you need the background checks you have to do on your drivers on your team the the types of the types of um um loads you can pick up Everyone's experience is a little different. So come from your angle. Don't focus on something so generic and cookie cutter. Come from your own unique angle. And you can make a course a very, very viable business, but not only its own separate business, but really just a really good line of um, a stream of revenue for your business. And direct selling. Before we go into the book, I bring this up almost every episode. And I bring this up because I have seen it for myself. Because the world is getting way, way, way more digital, digital savvy, online savvy. If you call yourself a business owner, if you call yourself an entrepreneur, if you are ambitious in one of these areas, you know, have aspirations in one of these areas, and your ambitions in one of these areas to own your own small business, run a successful small business, be a successful entrepreneur. Digital 
real estate isn't going anywhere. If anything, it's becoming more and more valuable. We can talk about crypto, NFTs. Those are just the next, that's just the next level. And it's going to keep growing. It's going to keep growing. It's going to keep growing. The importance of a digital footprint or more importantly, digital ownership of that footprint and where it comes from. Digital real estate is so valuable. Even if you just buy your, dom your domain and you don't build a website, just buy the domain. <laughs> just buy your domain. Buy your domains if you need multiple, but buy your domain. Get that out the way. That is a, a very small investment, but an extremely important investment. It's like one of those little things where it's like, dang, I don't think how that spending that five bucks, that 16 bucks, that 20, whatever it may be, you know, because it's not going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars, nowhere near that. That's also why it's just doesn't make any sense to miss out on. All of this stuff I mentioned, podcast, vlog, blog, course, all that should be on your website. If someone tells me they have a course, they have, um, you know, they have video content, they have a podcast, but they don't have a website. I'm looking at them really odd. Like what's going on with your business? Why, why are you, why are you leaving so much of your content, so much of your intellectual property in the hands of someone else? You might as well just be working for somebody else at that point. Right. And I'm not taking that to the extreme level. I'm taking, that's the, that's the reality of it. You have a YouTube channel. Great. I love YouTube. I still consider YouTube the best platform for creators out there right now. I do hands down. It's the best platform for a creator to make a living from. That doesn't mean that you own YouTube. Your podcast is on. I, I mean, hey, I use Podbean. People use Anchor. People use Buzzsprout. Great. All fantastic platforms. You don't own any of them. I don't own any of them. You own your website. You own that domain name. If you take it to the next level on your server, you own a whole nother level. Great. But you don't have to even be at that level. I'm just saying own your domain name and your website. Can't beat that. So that's where that should be the, the, the nexus of your entire business and ecosystem. Um, your, your nexus of your business on online. Now, the book of the day, the book of the day. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to come up with a really cool little jingle or music to intro the book of the day um, or the book of the episode. Sorry, it's actually the book of the episode. <laughs> um, goes right in line with what I started out with. And it's actually kind of from the phrase I utilized from the very beginning, how to sell without selling your soul. Now, I've never used without selling your soul. The term I've always used was out selling out, you know, because a lot of people have used that. Um, it's actually a um, TED talk and it, it, it stems from, okay, it stems from a couple of uh, programs and online programs. But if you may be familiar with, I'm assuming some people are, but the um the host of this TED talk or the lead of this TED talk I've brought up TED talks before um Steve Harrison okay so a lot of people may know Steve Harrison's name he was actually co-creator with a very another very well-known person for motivational speaking but also um specifically um you know self-development self-development for goal setting and marketing and sales uh Jack Canfield and they worked together on uh, a couple of publications, but specifically Blueprint and also the bestseller Blueprint, um, which is actually a book that a lot of people have utilized to develop a bestseller book. And then also he's the co-founder of Quantum Leap Publicity and Marketing Program. So 
overall focus of Mr. Harrison has always been to really work with helping people promote themselves, promote their books, promote their works. And I mean, we can definitely, um, we can definitely reference Jack, uh, Jack Canfield in the same regard. The crazy part about it though, I think we know some of the books I'm going to mention, I guess I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep it to a short list. Let's keep it to a short list. The crazy thing about it is the books that Harrison has worked on helping to launch, right? And developing programs to where people use books to launch their entire businesses. Two of them, I think you're going to be very familiar with. Chicken Soup for the Soul, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and just to make sure, let me give you one more. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. So anybody, especially if you're over the age of 35, you definitely know these books. Heck, if you're over the age of 25, you know at least two of these books. These are actually three of the best-selling series or best-selling books in in overall, right, of, across genres um, on, some, on some lists of all time, right? This goes in the, the top 100 list. And if you really paid attention to how many books are published every year, you look at, you know, Barnes and Noble's listings, you look at Amazon's listings. To be in the top 100 of some of the best-selling books of all time in your genre says a lot. Harrison's been a part of these three, amongst others, but these are three that are some of the most notable. In his TED Talk, what he goes over in depth, and, and the best thing about his TED Talk, it doesn't take long. That's the coolest part about it. I mean, it's the, it could be a simple 5, 10, 15 minutes at the most, right? of some really valuable information that you can immediately start applying to um, that portion or that section of your life or the subject matter that you're listening to or that they're speaking about. And in this case, how to sell without selling your soul. Think of the books I mentioned. Now, the books I mentioned, yes, you know, we have a lot of fictional work in it. We have a lot of focal points on motivational speaking. In it. Um, but the reason for that is because it's storytelling and tying a story. I brought this up in a past episode. The power of a story goes a long way. Just because I give it to you in a story format doesn't mean it isn't valuable. In fact, the reason why most people develop whatever it may be, um, you know, they put in a documentary or they put it in a book and they put it in more of a storytelling format as opposed to just giving you a bunch of information is because Human beings relate to stories. This, I mean, this is a natural instinct for us, right? To focus on the story, to focus on a hero. Um, you know, you have an antagonist. You have a rising action. You have a climax. You have an end. We, we, we know the elements of a story in our nature, right? So that's why when people can wrap things around, and especially in very in-depth technical information in a story format, this is why a lot of people, when we read textbooks in college or, or, or school, we just talked about I just talked about courses, right? I use a course format to make a life cycle of a customer, but I told a story. All my courses, you know, when I and I haven't published any yet, but everything I do in trainings and courses, I focus on a story, a beginning, a middle, and end, right? And then I build on those pieces. I make you the hero, the person who's sitting there taking the training. You're the hero. You're the person that that's trying to overcome something. You're the person trying to overcome this challenge, right? 
and we do checkpoints, it's just like a story. You have points of the story where you kind of recap and you kind of make sure we're all on the same page of the story and, and where we should be. And what Harrison does here focuses on how he's done that for some of the most well-known nonfiction authors, right? And help them develop a brand or entire brands from storytelling, from using a channel that most people would not think at one point in time, at least, was not the best way to, to build a revenue stream. Because there's one point people like publishing books for revenue. That's great. No, to get the message out, to present the value, to connect with a to connect with the target audience and then bring them back to the business, whether the business was PR, whether the business was real estate, whether the business was the business is taking, you know, relationship courses or relationship advice. Doesn't matter. Consulting, counseling doesn't matter. I'm using the book as a vehicle. Check out this TED talk. The link to this TED talk is in the description. I know immediately when you watch it, right, you're immediately going to start pulling out ideas in which one of the, the marketing channels and which one of the, the third party platforms or third party channels to establish authority works best for you to tell your story and to sell without selling your soul, sell without selling out. I can tell you right now, you're immediately going to start pulling from that. And um, just as a takeaway, you know what, in the in the YouTube episode or the YouTube edition of this episode, I'm going to give you a second book, a book that gives you more of a technical standpoint, right, of things and how to um, build out a marketing formula, right, to get to get um, to get the most out of whatever platform you utilize, whatever platform you are going to get your message and bring your value on. So I'll give you that in the YouTube episode. Check out the link in the description of this episode to go to our YouTube channel. So with that, guys, every episode of the ambition show i owe you takeaways hold me accountable if you go to our website and you do not have your takeaways you do not have your downloadable content let me know let me know let me know let me know in the comments immediately and i will make sure that it gets added there okay so i brought up affiliate marketing programs right and affiliate marketing if you want to see an episode if you want to have an episode about affiliate marketing strictly uh, strictly just put in the words affiliate marketing in the comments I'm going to give you a list of affiliate marketing programs to download. That's at the website. Also, a list of podcasting services. Specifically, now this is speci this is specific to podcast hosting and distribution. This is not so. This is not like um, Spotify, iHeartRadio. No, this is for you to produce your podcast, to publish your podcast, and get it out there into the world. Great list. These are services that not only a few of them I've tried. Test the water, see which one works for you. Podbean is awesome for me. Podbean might not be awesome for you, but I, I enjoy Podbean a lot. Um, there's a there's a list of different services on there. Test out and see which one works for you. Which platform is best for you? I would love to know which platform worked out for you. And then, of course, for you to share your first episode, please listen, please share it because I want to make sure to check it out. And then also, if you are going to get started with Podbean, there is a link for you to get started with Podbean. That is an affiliate link. Check it out. Clicking on any of our affiliate links or using our affiliate links, which we don't have too many, because um, like I said, I, I, I do the mostly unbiased, my unbiased endorsements, just genuine, genuine, you know, recommendations that I am not getting any compensation for in that case. In this case, 
I do suggest Podbean because I enjoy Podbean. That was the that was actually the third platform I tried. Third time's a charm. <laughs> I don't believe in luck, but third time was a charm. Um, and I really think it's a great platform um, just to help you get over some humps if you're just starting out with podcasting. In fact, that you know that gives me an idea. I'm gonna I'm probably gonna do an episode just about Podbean and the different platforms um, and and why you know why I settled on Podbean, but. Just to give you an idea of the different platforms that are out there. Because there are a lot. There are a lot of great platforms out there. So your free takeaways on the ambitionshow.com website. Links to those downloads. Um, links to your free, I'm sorry, your free takeaways from this episode. A list of affiliate marketing programs for you to join if you want to get involved in affiliate marketing. Um, list of podcast hosting services and distribution services. And then a referral link to uh, Podbean if you want to get started with Podbean. And get your podcast off the ground. And once again, if you do search your podcast, if you have a podcast, drop a link. I'd love to check it out. Um, always down to support other content creators and, and to see, you know, what's going on out there. And who knows, you might become my new favorite podcast besides The Ambition Show, of course. Um, now, <laughs> with that, guys. So in this description, you have a link to that TED Talk by Steve Harrison. Let me know what you think I'm telling you. I would love to know what ideas you immediately start pulling from that. Like, which is the best third party platform for you to start on? I highly suggest, like I said, if you can match it all, put it, get the video, the art, the blog and the podcast. But maybe you say, hey, you know what? I want to write a book. Whoa. If that's it, I would love to hear that because as a writer myself, I love to um, support other writers and, and know what other writers are doing. And then if you get started with any of those platforms, I want to know. Let's connect. Let's, let's build. Let's keep building together, y'all. That's how we get anywhere, building out this network. And this is a network right here, guys, on the Ambition Show. So with that, I've been your host, Aaron Muhammad. This was How to Sell Anything. Sell without selling. Okay. Present your value. Connect with the target audience and build from there. Check out those links. Download that free content. Let me know what you guys settle on and how you're going to market and build your brand and establish your authority. And, and then, of course, let me know for sure if you guys want to see a full episode just about affiliate marketing programs and affiliate marketing network. I'll get that done for you guys immediately and get that on our YouTube channel. So peace. Best to you and yours. See you in the next episode. I'm out.